Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. We are back again for another week of geeky goodness here on the show and excited to be talking about so many things that are going on here in the world of entertainment. Let's introduce ourselves first. My name is uh, John Roker, the outlaw here, and uh, I'm a writer, producer and host here on the Geek Buddies. Mike? I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Mr. McClung. And I'm Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on the Goldbergs, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, we want to thank everybody who's been on the Geek Buddies train for quite some time. Thank you very much for being fans. For those of you who are new and maybe taking a chance on us, thanks again. This is how the show works. Each of us presents a Geek Buddy news item. Three of them will get presented here. We talk about it amongst ourselves for your entertainment. We'll take a quick break, and we talk about our main topic. And our main topic is going to be the DC Fandom announcement. What are we getting out of that? What do we think is going to happen? So We're going to speculate about all of that. God, I can't talk right now. We're going to speculate about all of that and have a little fun breaking down what we might see hoping to see what we, what we think see what the fuck is going on all right must hey, hey, all hey. over again i want you to take i want you to take i want you to do this i want you to take a deep breath breathe in breathe in breathe out breathe in breathe out God, this, this is, is what the fans love make it real johnny <laughs> this is a this is a guided geek meditation <laughs> <laughs> this is what I get for doing a James Bond trailer reaction. I've already wasted my words. Anyway, yes. So, so our main topic today is going to be jumping into DC fandom. We had a little fun speculating about what we might see, what we want to see, and what we think we will see during that event. Um, all right. So uh, should we jump into it? Are we ready? Nice jump. 
Okay, I'm going to start off first. I'm going to talk about uh, Nia DaCosta here. What an incredible reaction people had for Candyman, the horror film that has been out now for a few days uh, for people to enjoy. She was the first uh, black filmmaker to open with a number one film, horror film uh, ever in the history of uh, of the box office, which is pretty incredible. Well, she was the first black female director, period, to debut at number one at the U.S. box office. Pretty incredible stuff. Ava DuVernay had come close Opening at number two with a wrinkle in time in 2018, but Candyman really put uh, Anita Costa over the line here, and it did really well in the box office. A lot of people did not anticipate that it was going to do well in the box office, or it, we weren't sure with the pandemic and everything happening, with the fact that um, you know Black Widow kind of underperformed that second weekend, with the fact that Suicide Squad really didn't do so well. We had a great reaction from the fans for this. And it, I think it kind of connects here to A Quiet Place Part 2. Both of these horror films. And listen, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So it's pretty incredible that these two horror films were able to come out and do so well at the box office. Can't even, of course, we're going to keep tracking, see how it does. But for initial box office take, it did pretty damn well. What do you guys think about this? Well, Mr. McClung, I-, I saw I saw on uh, Twitter that you... Uh, treated yourself to a solo scary movie earlier this week so uh unheard of why don't you why don't you kick us off there buddy (laughs) well there are three horror films that i have seen by myself a quiet place one a quiet place two and now Candyman. so i had heard how good Candyman was but you know as as our audience might know i'm a bit of a chicken when it comes to (laughs) horror movies um i can i can i can uh i can get brave if I know what, if I know it's going to be a really good movie and look, I mean, Candyman, like I, I've never seen the original Tony Todd one. I yeah. know roughly what it's about. This was a really good movie. I mean, there were, there were story things that I was still a little confused out, uh, confused about by the end, partly because I got scared. One part I really had to pee because <laughs> when I get nervous, <laughs> I start drinking water very fast, very quickly. So I was like, ah, I got to run to the bathroom. Um, but uh, Nita Costa directed the hell out of this movie. I mean, this is such a well put together film, and you look at what it cost. It don't it co- you know in terms of uh, films like the, it was a relatively low twenty five million dollars. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it if it can double its budget, if it can triple its budget, I mean that is that's a huge undertaking. Um, as far as why people are connecting to horror right now, I don't know. I mean, I think one Candyman. It's only ninety minutes. It's a quick movie, yeah, and I think it is. and I think that was the same with A Quiet Place part two that it was it was a shorter runtime and yeah, man i don't know i mean like black widow overall it 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 has underperformed when you look at what marvel films have done right, um right, right. you know it is still the number one domestic uh box office film of the year right now um but yeah it was that second weekend where it just kind of it kind of crashed i mean it had that huge drop off the suicide squad you know hbo max is saying it did really well for them on the service and it just didn't really perform that well in theaters but i don't know i mean there's something just uh truly uh escapist about horror right now and and i and i don't know if it's because we've all kind of went through our own little bit of trauma for over like almost a year and a half now right or what but i mean you know this is also a word of mouth movie i mean generally horror is pretty front-loaded like people go see it the first weekend and that's it i mean it typically tumbles in the second week but uh this is a word of mouth movie i mean it's mm-hmm. it's going to i think i think this one's probably going to have legs yeah uh, mike it almost made its entire budget back in one weekend 22 million almost made the entire budget back and if quiet place part two is something to monitor or at least a blueprint it could keep generating uh, uh, revenue for Nina Costa, for Jordan Peele, for the producers and the uh, and the studio itself. 
this is a positive uh, situation overall to see that a black filmmaker coming out of black female filmmaker coming out with a horror like this and being that successful it bodes well for all the noise you hear outside of this stuff you're seeing a lot of success stories starting to happen now post black lives matter post me too these there are things that are starting to happen with these studios and they're seeing the results because the fans are starting to gravitate to this content more and more in large numbers and that's a positive i think yeah look i mean first of all it's not super i mean look it's great it's not yeah. super shocking horror is traditionally the most profitable genre yeah. it is lower budget and a lot of people go see it people yeah. like going to a dark movie theater with a bunch of other people and getting the shit scared out of them. It is one of the things that is just true about movies. Um, and it's always been that way. So it's not surprising necessarily that the horror movies, the scarier movies are continuing to do well because they always do well. Now that's not to say that what Nia DaCosta has done here isn't a huge achievement. I loved the movie and I thought it was mm -hmm. great. So I think it's great. I'm not saying, oh yeah, it would have been good either way. Like I think she delivered a great movie that is right. either kind of a reimagine, it's part reimagining of Candyman and part uh, spiritual sequel to Candyman. And I think that she did a really, really good job. I think the movie's fantastic. Um, but yeah, horror, always very, very profitable. Um, I think also, you know, again, it's, you can only see it in the theater. Yeah. yeah. I mean, with Suicide Squad and Black Widow, we're like, hi, I wonder what the difference was here. It's almost <laughs> like you could watch those at home or something. Um, so I think that's a big factor as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think the other piece of that this that uh, is really great, and kind of you were talking about Black Lives Matter and yeah. Me Too and everything else, is that, you know, Jordan Peele with Monkey Paw Entertainment, like he's really set uh, he's really set the bar for his movies that these are not just horror movies. This isn't uh, right. the Saw franchise. This isn't The Conjuring. This isn't, uh, you know, The Purge. These movies, you know, whether it be Get Out or Us or now Candyman, this is on one level a really kind of spooky, scary horror movie. And on the other level, this is a movie about the black experience. And yes. particularly the way that they took the story of the original Candyman, which mm -hmm. was about uh, someone who was lynched, uh, who mm -hmm. then, you know, became, who got his revenge or got his murders in, and, but still was kind of a problematic movie when it came to race yeah. and kind of took that story back and reinterpreted it and kind of really made it all about race in a lot of really interesting ways. Um, I thought was really, really interesting. And I think that as much as that might set some people off and say, oh, why does everything have to be political? I think that horror as a genre does a really good job of allowing us to sort of sit in a theater and reflect on things that are going on in life in a way that we can sort of process in a different way. And I think Nia DaCosta's movie a thousand percent does that. So I thought there's a lot of reasons that it's doing well. Um, and I'm really happy it's doing well. And to Shannon's point, she really did direct the hell out of this. And mm -hmm. I cannot like literally halfway through the movie, I was just like, fuck, I can't wait for the Captain Marvel sequel. Yeah, like, I'm so excited. Like, I'm on board. Let's go. Let's go, Nia DaCosta. Yeah, I'm with you there, man. I, I, I agree with both of you. You know, I did my uh, uh, non-spoiler review for it on the channel, and I had a really great – I watched this at home. I, I watched. This I have a question. I have yeah, a question. Yeah. Is a non-spoiler review of a movie like Candyman just you sitting there going, and then this thing that I can't tell you about was scary, <laughs> and then this was scary, but I'm it's not going to tell you? It was really challenging. I mean, you can – usually what I do when it's a movie like this is I'll read uh, some of 
the reviews from other people online, like the Atlantic or whatever. So I'll see what have they spoiled that's okay in their reviews. And so <laughs> that'll give me a little bit of a guideline of what I can and can't talk about in the because I will I will have inadvertently spoiled a couple of things in the past. Oh. And, and I've been worried about well, not just between <laughs> us. <laughs> Called it <laughs> not just between us, uh, but I have done that. And because to me, I don't sense that that's a spoiler, but some people don't look at trailers, so they're like, You spoiled this for me. So I have to be very careful about how I do that. But yes, Candyman was certainly a challenge. And I'll tell you, it was a 22-minute video that I cut down to eight because I had to cut out some stuff that I went on and on about that I needed to make sure I didn't talk Wait, about. Went from you know? 22 to eight? Yeah, yeah. Because Holy like, crap. There's yeah, oh, trust me, that's not a, yesterday I cut a 45 minute down to 15. So it's just it's just the way it goes sometimes with me because I'm long-winded and I'm a son of a bitch like that. But no, <laughs> this is this is great. I mean, this is I love the mood of the film. I love the cinematography in the film. Uh, I, I you know, someone pointed out to me I didn't notice until I until I rewatched it again that it shot from below up. And the original is shot from top down. And I was like, oh, wow. Right, because that's the white person's point of view versus the person, a black person's point of view who's living or lived in the project. So that is a fascinating approach to the movie that I really enjoyed. And yes, you're absolutely Mike, right, Mike. The black experience is there for people to see and savor. And I think, uh, uh, was it Domingo? Uh, Domingo? I thought he oh, was. Domingo. Excellent. I made sure in my trail, in my reaction or my review to point him out because I think Colin Domingo, I would cast him in everything. I yeah. thought he was the standout of everybody in that film. Although Tiona was great and Yaya was great, I thought Domingo really stood out. So yeah, yeah, this is great all around. And I hope it encourages more studios to get women of color, people of color, more opportunities to do these films and do these reimaginings and be successful with them. I also think. I, uh, sorry, oh, no, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead, Shannon. No, I mean, I was just going to talk about Coleman Domingo for a second. Like, if yeah. you haven't seen the theatrical uh, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, um, right. you know, that that movie, it, you know, it's a tour de force of performances. And, you know, Viola yeah. Davis and Chadwick Boseman get the uh, uh, lion's share of the credit. But Coleman Domingo plays one of the supporting guys, and he mm -hmm. is fantastic. He, You know, if you watch Fear the Walking Dead, he was also, you know, on Fear the Walking Dead. Right. He, he's, he's a really, really great actor. He's a theater guy that um, hopefully uh, people are going to start seeing in more... Uh, more prominent roles because I agree with you, John. He he's yeah. a he's a dynamite performer. Right, right. Mike, what were you gonna say? No, I was going to say, I think another thing that Nia DaCosta deserves a lot of credit for is mm -hmm. with sort of the success of Get Out and Us, there's been sort of an onslaught of like black horror movies or horror horror movies that center black characters that deal with race, that deal with trauma. And there's been a lot of articles about yeah. kind of the experience of are we like, are we sort of not glorifying black trauma, but like hmm. using black trauma as our entertainment in a very uncomfortable way. And I think that some of the films and TV shows that come out kind of do start to make you feel like, Ugh, is this uncomfortable? And I think the yeah. way that Nia DaCosta handles the film, I think the way that she handles some of the flashbacks, yeah. I think the way that she handles doing some really stylized things with the violence and with the story allows her to tell a story that's a lot about... Uh, about black trauma, about black experience without being a traumatic movie for a lot of people. I've been reading a lot yep. of articles about kind of black horror and the black trauma experience. And I think mm -hmm. that she deserves a lot of credit for being really, really smart and really, uh, I don't want to say subtle because subtle with a movie like Candyman feels kind of like silly to say. That's <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily a subtle movie, but I think that, um, but really, uh, a gentle touch in the yeah. way that she deals with certain things that I think work for the betterment of the movie and make it a really, really strong, strong film.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so we'll see. We'll continue monitoring how it does over the next few weeks and see if it does kind of match A Quiet Place 2 in terms of its success versus its budget uh, and what that leads to. And, yes, we should all be, be getting ready for Ms. Marvels because it looks like it's going to be awesome. So, And Tona Paris, reunion yet again yep. of those two back together again. All right, where are we off to next? All right, well, we are uh, off to the past and over to Disney+. Plus. Uh, so uh, another big bit of news this week is that Disney is reviving its cult classic, The Rocketeer, mm. with a new Disney Plus movie titled The Return of the Rocketeer. Um, and it's coming to us from David and Jessica Oyelowo, uh, who are producing it under their Yoruba Saxon banner. Um, so, the, And it's written by Ed Recourt, who worked on... Um, uh, saving Damien. What is that movie? Netflix movie, Saving Damien. Okay. Uh, no. What is it called? Damn it. Raising Dion, not Raising Saving Damien. Wow. Not even close to the same wow. thing. Samsonite. Whew. That was way off. So uh, I am going to. Uh, I'm going to write a movie called Saving Damien. Uh, let's, uh, I think Samsonite is might be better. <laughs> McGuarfield, McGuarfield, McGuarfield. No, uh, Ed Recourt. He uh, he produced and wrote that Netflix series Raising Dion. Uh, he also worked on Jessica Jones, Wayward Pines. Uh, he he wrote Now You See Me. So he's working it. Uh, he's writing it. David Oyelowo. Uh, people are thinking he may star in it. Um, so this is sort of a sequel to the classic Rocketeer, which was released in 1991 and directed by Joe Johnston um, right. and adapted from the Dave Stevens graphic novel uh, that was about a guy who gets a rocket pack and flies around. Uh, I know that this is one of Shannon McClung's fave movies. He's a big mm-hmm. fan of it. Um, this Return of the Rocketeer is going to have uh, an all-new character kind of take on the Rocketeer banner, uh, and it's focused on a retired Tuskegee Airman who gets the Rocketeer mantle. So Ooh. definitely a departure, new kind of story, new kind of Rocketeer, but sounds really, really interesting. Um, Rocketeer is one of those really kind of fascinating movies in that it came out in a certain era. It's not. It wasn't the hugest Disney hit in the world. It wasn't something that uh, knocked the doors off the box office. But boy, the people that love this movie really, really love this movie. Uh, it's yeah. on Disney Plus. You can check it out. You know, definitely in the world that we live in today, uh, a superhero movie that came out in 1991. It's a little cheesy. It's a little yeah. silly. But there is something just inherently sweet and innocent about this movie. Uh, Shannon's making faces. He can defend the Rocketeer <laughs> in a second. But um, but yeah, no, I think that you know they Disney uh, Junior recently had a Rocketeer series uh, yes. that was uh, run by Nicole Dubuque, who which had a young female Rocketeer who kind of took on the Rocketeer banner that aired there. Uh, I think it's probably going to be available on Disney Plus probably sometime soon. Um, so they definitely want to do stuff with Rocketeer, yeah. and this is kind of the next step. So what do you boys think of the original Rocketeer? What do you think of this reboot, uh, Shannon? You may now defend your cheesy <laughs> 1991 movie. How dare you, sir? Well, one the Rocketeer came out in summer. And that was a pretty big summer. Like, that was the summer of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That was the summer of Terminator 2. That was the mm. summer of Naked Gun 2 and a half. I mean, it was sort of, <laughs> it was just, <laughs> it was, it was a, it was a big, it was a big summer. And it was, I, I feel like the Rocketeer, um, 
it, it is very much a family movie. And, and I don't feel like it just didn't catch on with families the way that it then caught on when it was released on VHS. I mean, it's just a sweet, it's a very pure film. The idea, and I know they, they've wanted to do a, a continuation or, or something with the property, whether it be a reboot, whether it be a sequel, that they've wanted to do something with it for a while because it's just a cool property. I mean, just visually, the, the Rocketeer just looks cool. Um, but you know, the, the story itself for the 1991 film, it is a small story. I mean, it, it takes place with, within just a few days. Um, there's sort of the, the potential for it to have been a bigger story, but it's pretty insulated. Um, the idea that the sequel will be a retired Tuskegee Airman, um, finding, finding another rocket pack because by the end of the movie, Alan Arkin's character has the blueprints to make another jet pack because the, the one that they had... The one that they, <laughs> the one that they had in the movie does get destroyed. Whoa, um, this, whoa, whoa! Didn't know this hey, was a spoiler hey, review. Oh. Thirty years old. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but the idea that that's the continuation—that it's this retired Tuskegee Airman—and like you know, like any superhero movie, like any superhero origin, there's always who is this? Who who is this person underneath? And you know, how long has uh, Oyelowo been retired from the Tuskegee Airmen? We don't know. I mean, mm. this this could take place in the 60s. It could take place in the 50s. I mean, the Tuskegee Airmen, I think, sort of disbanded in like four, late 40s. Like it was, yeah. it was you know, post-World War II. Um, but I love the idea that possibly during the 60s when um, uh, civil rights tensions were high, that you have this superhero um, flying around and there's a black man underneath. I think that yeah. I think that is such an interesting uh, uh, interesting story to tell. And Oyelowo, um, before Selma, I was always a little hit and miss with him. Mm -hmm. um, but post Selma, I was like, okay, whatever performances came before this, I'm now like, okay, that's that was on the director because this guy, this guy's brilliant. Yeah. And to to see him embody this role, if he ends up embodying the role, um, I, I think will be, I think it's something special. Yeah, they haven't they haven't said he is going to, I mean, he's producing, right. his producing, but I think probably it's a pretty safe bet that uh, he will be the retired Tuskegee Airman that is gonna be wearing that helmet. I mean, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he looks, I mean, I don't know if, you know, cause by the time this gets done, where will he be? What will he be working on? Also, what is he? He's in his mid thirties. He's not necessarily the youngest guy to be taken on this. Do you want to go with a younger guy? Is he? But it doesn't mean he can't be in the movie. Maybe he's playing the Alan Arkin character. That's certainly possible. Yeah. Where he's taking control of it, he's creating it, what have you, and then kind of you know passing it on to a younger dude. I mean, I, it's always weird to me when he pops up when we watch uh, some British stuff. He'll show up in older older shows or older whatever, and it's great to see like the progression of David Oyelowo from where he was to where he is now. And it's great to see that he's getting these opportunities. Now, I've never seen the original Rocketeer. It, it, as you said, the summer of 91 was a very busy time for me. And I okay. certainly watched Robin okay. Hood four or five times. So I, I didn't have time to go watch this in the theater. <laughs> That's was... because you're an Anglophile. <laughs> <laughs> yes, true. And you wanted to hate watch Kevin Costner's oh English accent. What English accent? No <laughs> oh, man. When he's doing it or when he's forgotten it, at no point is it an English accent. Let's just make that clear. At least Christian Slater's like, I'm not even trying one. I'm from Southern California. Let's put me up there. But no, I, I, so to me, I just, it's one of those ones that's always missed me, but I have a few friends who are absolutely devoted to the movie and love the movie. And I remember studying for the Schmodown in case it ever came up. I know about the, the gum or the, you know, how they, uh, the pack and all of that. 
But uh, yeah, I didn't even know Alan Ark was in the movie, so I studied it. Should have studied a little bit harder. But I've always liked <laughs> Billy Billy Campbell. But you know, Billy Campbell never quite blew up, so it's just kind of interesting that he's a part of this as he was a part of this legend legacy as well. So will they find space? for billy campbell or i think alan arkin is still alive right so will they find ways to weave these guys in as cameos we shall see but that being said this is exciting the tuskegee connection very similar to isaiah bradley and captain and the or falcon and the winter soldier yeah how are they going to work that in how are they going to work that story in and i'm so happy to see mainstream of entertainment deal with these issues bring these issues up and and not have to be afraid of them anymore I love that. So I'm excited to see uh, where they go with this and, and if it turns out to be well and who they cast. If they don't cast a yellow O as the Rocket Man, who the Rocket Man will be. So- Rocket Man is Elton John. This is the Rocketeer. Rocketeer. I'm sorry. Rocketeer. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> uh, but but yeah. now but now I'm very keen on seeing Elton John in the third Rocketeer sequel where he sort of just wears his big glasses over the helmet and hey. just flies around singing. Uh, it's gonna be a long, long time. I, 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 I thought he was the best part of the Kingsman sequel, so yes, please put him in uh, this film. I'd be down with it. Well, it's I mean, hard I to find. Ar- it's, I can't. I can't argue with that point. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's, it's hard to find the worst part of the Kingsman sequel, so I'll give you that. Um, all right, so we'll see what happens there. But looking forward to getting more updates on that Rocketeer uh, remake or reimagining. We shall see. Um, all right, uh, Shannon, what have you got for us again? Trailers, trailers, trailers. It's 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 been it's been a minute since we've had a pure trailers, trailers, trailers topic during one of our shows, but today we have three trailers, three very different movies. The first one, we've talked about it before on the show, but John and I have a special affection mm. for Gerard Butler. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we we have discovered over the years that no one plays American blue collar better than a Scott. And they, he has a new movie coming out. In uh, September 17th, directed by Joe Carnahan, called Cop Shop. So this also stars Joe Carnahan, regular Frank Grillo, and also uh, a character actor named Toby Huss. Toby Huss has been around for years. I mean, you've probably seen him. He played he played the whiz in Seinfeld, the uh, the, the salesman that Elaine <laughs> dated and, and become became just infatuated with, and she couldn't remember why, and it turns out she saw him in all these old commercials. Um, but Cop Shop, this is, uh, uh, Gerard Butler basically plays an assassin who's after a con man and who gets himself locked up in a jail to basically take out this mark. And at the same time, Toby, H- Toby Huss plays a competing assassin who they basically get trapped in this police station and they're trying to kill Frank Grillo. Um, This movie, this is 100% like, this is pure matinee Roka McClung goodness. This, Mm -hmm. this, we would have had two or three beers beforehand, (laughs) would have been munching on popcorn for the first half and then (laughs) hopefully enjoying the hell out of the second half. But gentlemen, what did we think of the first look at Cop Shop? Mike, you take this one and I'll jump in afterwards, please. Oh, do I get to take it? Because this sounds like, uh, this sounds like a two way conversation. (laughs) I should see my way out of it. I don't know. Like, you'd be the um, the stuffing in our Oreo sandwich. Go ahead. Well, normally, normally when when it comes to the Gerard Butler movies, I would agree with Shannon that uh, I don't need to see Gerard Butler in the 95th version of him protecting the president while some crazy thing is happening and he's running around the city in like, I just don't need to see it. You Not that interesting. You watch it but <laughs> I will say, but I will say that this trailer, 
uh, I think looks fantastic. I think it's so weird. Yeah. And it's such a fun character piece. And it's such like a, an original idea. I do think that with a lot of the Gerard Butler movies that come out, they seem to me like a less good version of a movie that we've already seen several times. Like, oh, we must protect the president at all costs. Oh, I am the president and must be protected at all costs. Oh, I have the secret plans for X and have to save them from Y. Like, there's just, they seem a bit formulaic. And you can definitely say about this trailer that it does not seem formulaic. I mean, this is such an interesting idea. The characters look so batshit crazy. It just looks weird. Um, so this is one, uh, if I'm invited, which it sounds like that's a big maybe according to this guy. Wow. But uh, if I'm invited, I would happily go to this matinee. You guys can have your beers. I'll sip a couple martinis. It'll be great. <laughs> I'm down with this. Well, I mean, listen, um, uh, one of the joys of having worked at Collider was getting some interaction with Joe Carnahan and meeting him in person. Joe Carnahan is an interesting cat, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you that right now. I was a fan when he first came out with NARC all those years ago with Jason. One of the rare great moments where Jason Patrick can really show his talent. That And Ray Liotta was in that one as well. NARC was fan. I think Busta was in that one as well. NARC was great. But then you had Smoke and Aces. I thought he did a great job with the A-Team. I was so surprised that film didn't get a sequel. Really enjoyed the gray. The gray is one of those of one of those Neam Neeson vehicles that actually has some depth to it, some weight to it. And Frank Grillo was a great part of that movie. I think that's where Frank Grillo went next level as an actor, being able to attract attention and end up being crossbones in uh, in the MCU. And then he did Boss Level last year, which a lot of people enjoyed. It's a wacky, wacky, crazy movie. Uh, and so jumping in the cop shop, I'm a thousand percent behind it. I think he's he's doing the American remake of The Raid as well. So my God, that's going to look fantastic. This though, my, I think Michael nails it on the head. It has a little bit higher production value to it. The vibe looks better. It doesn't look like something you paid $3 for to watch on a, <laughs> on a streaming service on Pluto TV or something like that. This one feels like it's got, because you've got a great director like Joe Carnahan coming in and having some fun. And I know that they've got this production company with all these guys that are a part of it. Butler, I think, is a part of it as an actor. They want to put forth these films that go back to the old school kind of men, Stallone, 80s, Schwarzenegger type of movies. And so it's nice as a balance to get these kinds of movies uh, that have a little fun with these stories. And there is Shades of Assault on Precinct 13 in the trailer for sure. But... Toby Huss is a brilliant choice. <laughs> Loved him on uh, what? What's the Catch Fire? Halt, Halt, Halt and Catch Fire. Halt and Catch Fire. I remember him back in the '90s when he used to do Frank Sinatra imitations for MTV. That's how far back I go with Toby Huss. <laughs> and whenever he pops up in anything, he's a great addition. So to have him as an unusual type of uh, guy trying to catch a hitman trying to catch this guy is brilliant. Plus Frank Grillo with hair. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. So I, I'm a thousand percent down. I hope it's damn good. I want to have a great time. And if we can set up a screening for the three of us, I'm down. I, I, maybe but, I'll drive up for this one, for God's sake. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, but I mean, also, like, to your point, as much as they're trying to go for this sort of, like, Stallone 80s kind of thing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we didn't talk a lot about, I, I believe her name is Alexis uh, right. Louder? Yes. Uh, who plays the cop. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the, uh, I, I think she might have been in Tomorrow War. Um, but uh, yes. she looks really, really interesting in this trailer. So while you have the two, the two kind of hitmen 
trying to hit, hit, hit Frank Grillo, the one cop is this uh, this black actress, Alexis Louder, and yep. she looks really great in the movie. And I thought it was really interesting uh, to have that female presence in a movie that feels very testosterone heavy, uh, yep. which also is another reason that I was like, oh, this actually looks mm. more interesting than... Um, no offense to Shannon's matinee tastes, but a little bit more interesting to What's, me. What? What? Then what was the, what was the one? What was the 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 submarine one that we enjoyed with him and Gary Oldman? I forget, Hunter Killer, Hunter Catcher, Killer Catch, something like uh, that. Uh, Hunter Killer. Hunter, Hunter Killer. killer. <laughs> Those are great titles, Mike Bogle. What's your problem? Uh, but yeah, shout out to Alexis Louder. I can't believe they're saying introducing Alexis Louder. Like. She's been in Watch. She was in the Watchmen series in multiple episodes. <laughs> She's been acting for quite some time. Yeah, the Tomorrow More, one of the more recent ones, but she was in the original. So she's been doing stuff for quite some time. So kind of weird for them to say introducing Alexis Louder. So anyway, uh, looks cool. All right, what's our next trailer? Oh, yeah, that one, when does that come one out? comes out September 17th, and you'll get to see Toby Huss say, Bob, you and I are going to fight to the death. <laughs> I mean, it looks so funny. Um, the next doobie, trailer. Doobie doo. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Is something that's coming out September 10th on Apple TV. And I'm going to throw it to Vogel here in a second, but it is the uh, film stage performance of the musical Come From Away. Yeah. So originally, this movie, it was supposed, they were supposed to shoot it. It was going to be a film. They were going to shoot it on location in, in Newfoundland. And then uh, COVID happened. So they kind of took the Hamilton route and had a uh, had a filmed performance. And that's what uh, they're going to release on Apple TV. But for our audience, Mike, that doesn't know the plot of Come From Away, as you are the only one, I believe, who of the three of us who have seen the stage musical. That's not true. Oh, have you seen it, Johnny? Michael took I me. took yeah. I took John Roca on a date to go see it at the Amundsen. And oh, I had no like idea. It was a lovely evening. It, oh, oh, Sorry. Oh. I guess you were busy at one of your matinees. <laughs> or having sushi. Um, yeah, we, we, uh, Michael took me and our friend Sarah and told me nothing about the musical. I walked in totally cold and saw it from scratch. But yeah, Michael, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, to give you a little bit of context of what this is about, uh, which I did not give to Roca, which was great. I'll tell you about that in one second. Um, so Come From Away is actually a Canadian musical, um, and it's set in the week following September 11th. Uh, it's based on a true story, uh, and it's about what happened when 38 planes were ordered to land outside of American airspace in a, in a tiny little town called Gander. Uh, which is in Newfoundland. And it's really just about those days post September 11th and what this tiny town of Gander did when all of these huge, huge planes that were way bigger than should be landing in the Gander airport did <laughs> and how this town really came together uh, in a time of like global crisis to help the people on these planes. Um, I will say that when this musical came out, uh, I... I do this a lot because I'm a big musical theater nerd. I bought the music uh, to listen to before I had seen the show, and I had no idea what the show was about, so much like John. So I didn't actually know that this was about September 11th, so I was in my car driving to work and was listening to it, and I'm like, oh, this is nice, and then literally like burst into tears and had to pull over on the side of the road because I was like, oh shit, was not prepared for that. So of course, when I took John Roca, I was like, don't read anything about it because I wanted to see the same thing happen. And boy, was I not disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this thing, I was really impressed. And I, look, I, I can be kind of weird about stage musicals because i'll give movie musicals way more space but with stage musicals like oh, i'm stuck in this theater it's gonna be four hours long <laughs> shit 
Uh, but this one was so well done. And it's not even the original cast that we saw. Uh, so we're going to get the, I think we're going to get the original I cast. I think we are, yeah. I believe this, so. In this Apple TV one. So the fact that you're, I mean, the fact that I saw a touring cast and it's the music still was powerful. The stories were great. And it's a true story is really stellar. You know, a few months ago, I interviewed one of the producers of the play for a documentary that they were doing about Oh, sorry. One of the producers of the documentary they were doing about the real story of this new and connecting it up with the come from away musical. So it was really great to re-experience it through that prism to see the actual stories here, the actual people talk about their experiences. So the, I had no idea that they had filmed a version of this and that it was coming out. So I'm excited about it. If you guys don't have this musical, do yourselves a favor. If you love musical theater, just buy the soundtrack. That'll give you a great idea of what this is all about. Then when you watch it, you'll really enjoy it. There's two or three numbers that still affect me deeply when I listen to it, still get me emotional. It is fun. It is uproarious. It is also serious. And it's great. And it's very human, I think, at the end of the day. It's a very human musical with all the emotions you can run through uh, on September 11th. And it's coming out the day before the 20th anniversary of September 11th. So it's a brilliant time to drive it for people to kind of get back into the feeling of this musical. Yeah. It really is, you know, for 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 a show that is about something that is inherently so upsetting and yeah. so sad to so many people, uh, it does a good job of really hitting you in the feels. But you do come away feeling pretty amazing about humanity. So yeah. uh, not only because it's happening around September 11th, but also because of the past <laughs> two years that we've been oh, living. Yeah. Uh, I, I do encourage you. I know this is not necessarily our usual geek thing. Um, and look, we've got plenty of multiverses and fandoms to deal with coming up. So we've got plenty of yeah. geek stuff. But if musicals aren't really your thing, you should check this out. The other thing that I think is kind of really cool about the fact that this is actually the stage show uh, and not them filming something is that uh, what's really fun, um, and I'll be interested to see how it translates to watching it on screen, but the entire cast does double duty. So mm -hmm. every single right. member of the cast plays nice. both uh citizens of gander the small town where the planes land and some of the characters from the plane so mm -hmm. they're just flipping back and forth like you'll go from a scene where somebody will be playing someone who landed on the plane who's from new york or the middle east or somewhere else and then they turn right around and they're playing the town folk as well and watching them on stage sort of the way it's all staged and the way that they bounce back and forth from being a townie to a plane person yeah. um was really really fascinating and the fact that you never once get confused that they're playing very distinctive characters it's really really fun to watch from a theatrical experience so in a way, I kind of feel like maybe this was good for Apple Plus. Like, I think had they cast it fully with a bunch of actors and mm. shot it on location, as someone who loves musicals, I would have loved to have seen that version. But I kind of think it's really cool that everyone gets to see this theatrical experience uh, to watch it. Because it's it's more so than a lot of other shows, just very, very, very theatrical. It's kind of like very barren staging. Mm -hmm. It's really a fun, fun show to watch. Interesting. Cool. So, yeah, if your friends saw this show without you, you'll be able to see it yourself. <laughs> on September 10th on Apple TV. <laughs> and coming to our last trailer, the last trailer of the episode, and I think it's going to be the last trailer um, for this film, the final trailer for No Time to Die, the latest James Bond epic that was supposed to be released so long ago, um, <laughs> is it just hit. Um, basically, I mean, I think we're kind of getting to the... Um, 
Black Widow point with the marketing for this movie. Like we've seen trailers for so long. Um, I don't know how much more they can show us. I mean, we all know that this is uh, this is supposed to be Daniel Craig's final outing as James Bond. Yeah. We know that Rami Malek is playing the villain um, and it comes out October 8th. I mean, not really being a Bond guy myself, um it's i mean yeah i don't get it like on paper james bond should be right up my alley but uh i will say of all the bond movies i have enjoyed the daniel craig ones the most mm-hmm. um and obviously i'm very i'm very curious to see this movie like the the scope the action looks epic i think daniel craig is always a fantastic actor um watching uh anna de armas kick ass um looks like a blast um but yeah what did you guys think of the final trailer we think of James Bond, No Time to Die. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think this one's getting pushed. And uh, we're going to talk about some films that are going to get pushed in just a second that got broke as we were recording that came over there. But I think this one's sticking uh, around. The press release I got said October 8th, but the trailer ends saying September 30th. So maybe in certain spots, it'll be coming out certain cities September 30th. And then October 8th, it'll be coming out everywhere else. But Either way, I kind of like this as a final trailer. We certainly got a little bit more footage. We didn't get a, a lot of Rami Malik, but certainly a little more of the mystery between Madeline and, Ra- and Rami Malik's character, which leads me to think, uh, you know, what does this all mean? I did a trailer reaction for this. It's up there on the channel now if you guys want to watch it. But yeah, I thought this was a good way to do it. Daniel Craig is looking every one of his years in this trailer. Like he is done playing this character. So I like that vibe and that feeling. Lashana Lynch looks incredible in the role that she is playing. And it made me think, God, how much they held her back in Captain Marvel. Because this woman can go, son. Uh, so look, seeing that, there's that that plane sequence. My brain, my brain was like... Pfft. Just I'd never seen anything like that. So it was incredible. Um, I like that Blofeld and Bond are working together. What's that going to be like? So all of it just it just excites me uh, for this. And yeah, if it's coming out in one of the big cities here on September 30th, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully I'll get a screening ahead of time, but I can't wait to finally see it. You're right, Shannon. We hit the Black Widow saturation mark with this, but it's finally coming. So let's get ready to see it. Let's get excited all over again. What'd you think, Mikey? I thought it looked like a Bond movie. <laughs> Um, I think I, 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 I probably lean more towards Shannon, but I will say this about it. Like, look, I've never not seen a Bond movie in the time that I've been going to theaters and Bond movies have come out. Uh, and I've seen a lot of the older Bond movies. Like, I think James Bond is cool. And I think the movies are normally decent to great. Like, I mean, okay. there's, there's, you know, like, I don't think that I've ever seen a Bond movie where I was like, that's horrible, horrible, horrible. Like, they're always a level of fun to them. Um, unless it's Denise Richards playing a nuclear physicist. What that's she what play? she was. Yeah. Um, that was, that, maybe that's a bit of a stretch. I thought Dr. Christmas, Christmas only, Jones. I thought Christmas um, only came once a year. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Um, but I think that, I think that what I realized as I was watching the trailer, cause I was like, I, I kind of had the Shannon reaction of like, this should be, I should be flipping out right now. And I'm kind of like, cool. And I realized that what it is, is we talk a lot about James Bond as a character being a relic because of the sexism or because of the masculinity or because of that. But I think one of the reasons, and I know that the Daniel Craig movies are sort of a bit more yeah, they don't, serialized. Yeah, they don't they, they, so, they sort of connect a little bit more. But I think that in general, like in an era where we are you know, as we, as the three of us do, discussing the ins and outs of how Star Wars movies and cartoons connect and series and how the Marvel Cinematic Universe is building itself every movie and how, you know, this, I think the James Bond movies, each one kind of just feels like its own adventure. And I think that this looks like a super, super fun one that sort of caps off the Daniel Craig series of Bond movies. 
Um, but I don't get like thrilled because I feel like, okay, and then we're going to reboot James Bond and we're going to tell more Bond movies. But it sort of, the Bond movie sort of seems stuck in this wash, rinse, repeat cycle where it's a good wash, rinse, repeat. They're all really, really exciting, but they don't make me as excited as some of the other franchises we talk about do. That being said, I am going to go back uh, in the week leading up to this movie and rewatch each one of them one a night until we go see the movie so that I'm going to maximize my Daniel Craig bondness and I'm going to come in ready to rock. So we'll see. Maybe that will change my feelings about it. Uh, We will find out. Enjoy Quantum of Solace, guy. I know. I know. Um, but But I do think the Bond film, the Daniel Craig Bond films kind of move away from the sexism for the most part kind of they move do. away from the ma- they make his masculinity more fragile uh and i appreciate that you know he's also he's always getting shot or almost killed or trying to retire it's not about like let me sleep with as many women as possible and look cool doing it like he's really more of a rough and rugged bond and i i hear you about the rinse and repeat but i also think the bonds reflect our society at the time they keep changing to reflect our society at the time. You can't compare the Daniel Craig to the Sean Connery or the Rod For sure. or, or even the Pierce. So I think in that way, uh, I'm encouraged by that. And I hope the next Bond is even more of an expansion of this questioning of masculinity and this uh, more of a seeing equality with the femininity elements of, of uh, the Bond franchise that can be there. So Yeah, and I, and I, should, and I should clarify. I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. right that the Daniel Craig movies have been progressively working to sort of recenter bond on yeah. a lot of the masculinity toxic masculinity issues whatever and i think just based on what we've heard about this movie in general mm. uh it seems to be really kind of trying to even move that needle even further so i yeah. think that's true i think that just from a storytelling standpoint as we talk about you know where characters are going in other franchises and knowing that like these are ever evolving stories where what's what where what happens in one movie or tv show has major effects on what happens in the next one the bond movies even though like i said these are more connected than previous bond movies have yeah. been uh i think that there's still this sense of like every bond movie you're sort of like okay we're kind of starting and let's let's have a fun adventure and it's not really going to affect where we go in the future and so that just to me personally makes me a bit less I wouldn't even say less excited because, like I said, I'm obviously going to go see this movie the night it comes out, but it makes me less invested in where the Bond movies go. Yeah. They do carry storylines over. What you're saying overall is they don't carry the main storylines over. Right. That's where you have the... I understand that. Uh, Shannon, any final words? Well, yeah, and to clarify, the international release date is September 30th. The U.S. release date is October 8th. Mother effers. I'm going to fly (laughs) to France. Anyway, all right, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> well that's it <laughs> all right well there you go john all right <laughs> what were you saying uh what were you saying about movies that have been pushed oh yeah 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 well we've got some news here right some movies that uh got uh rescheduled uh and i'm i should pull this up sorry i should i got caught up in the bond conversation so we got uh, a rescheduling of uh, what did we get rescheduled? Sorry about that, guys. It, uh, I mean, they're all Paramount movies. So okay, okay. Jackass Forever, um, which was originally supposed to come out uh, in October. I'm, I'm not positive when it got pushed to. Uh, the next one is Top Gun Maverick, which is massively disappointing <laughs> to us. It has been pushed from uh, November of this year to May of, uh, of 2022, May, May 27th, I believe. And that has then pushed Mission Impossible 7, which was supposed to open on that date, to a date in November 2022. So, I mean, the, the, 
the I, I don't want to say the upside, um, but at, they're all three Paramount films. So this was wow. a Paramount Pictures. This was a studio studio decision. It doesn't necessarily mean that all the all the other films that are surrounding that kind of November release date the Top Gun was going to have or the October release date the Jackass had. It doesn't necessarily mean that all those films are going to be pushed. But it's certainly a possibility. And uh, when our friend Jonathan Gabay uh, uh, texted the article, texted the news to us, um, my first reaction was, uh, I'm just waiting for that Spider-Man No Way Home delay. <laughs> and uh, I am I'm petrified that that's what's going to happen. But we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, it. I'm not sure why Jackass moved, but for whatever yeah, neither reason... Am that I. The, neither am but, I. But, yeah. but I mean... Paramount making this decision and moving everything back uh, is, it feels like there's probably some other things that we might not know about. I don't think that this is all COVID based. I mean, mm. people are going to movie theaters. We just talked about Candyman having a great opening. Like Free Guy has been doing pretty decently. Like yeah. I think that I think that there are people going to theaters. Theaters are open. Mm -hmm. um, all COVID issues aside, which are still definitely a thing that we're all living with, it does seem like uh, the the movie going public is there. Yeah. So, and I don't see anything on the horizon. Knock on wood. I mean, I could be wrong, but like, I don't. I don't see unless you know some huge change happens that we're going to shift gears going backwards in where we are. So I think that yeah. if you look at if you look at Disney, you look at Marvel, you look at Star Wars, you look at uh, Warner Brothers, you look at Universal, you look at all these other studios, like it, it, if we were to see all the studios all of a sudden like push everything back again, I'd be very concerned. One studio doing it, it's like, okay, well, there was a gap or something was bad or Mission Impossible is definitely not going to be ready in time and we knew we had to move it back, but we didn't want to give up that spot and so why don't we fill top guy like i think there's probably some extenuating circumstances that aren't necessarily pandemic related yeah i mean that's a good way to look at it because it looks like um the way they're moving it from um, thanksgiving weekend to memorial day weekend maybe they feel that's a better um time because that's very much uh, you know uh, focused on the military so why not release it then it's kind of smart and you be you'll be in you know starting the um i think you're starting the uh summer season a little bit with that so or in the middle of the summer season so that's a good move for them overall to make some money so that's a positive uh, for top gun i totally get the move i hate it i'm mad especially at a cinema con apparently they showed 13 minutes or the op thir opening third and people were going nuts about the film so the fact that it got pushed is uh, a worrisome uh, for me but i get it but ghostbusters afterlife now moves into that slot and moves out of going toe-to-toe -to -toe with eternals so i think that's part of it mike which you mentioned some of this maneuvering here now eternals pretty much owns november 5th no nothing's going against it ghostbusters gets to move over to november 19th i think and not having much competition other than will smith's king richard which is kind of an independent film probably not going to make that much money and Resident Evil as well, which is coming out there, Rebirth or whatever, Welcome to Raccoon City. That's going to be... So I think they're poised because of the buzz at a CinemaCon from those screenings of Ghostbusters Afterlife. They think they can really own a weekend or a couple of weekends and make some money, especially over a family weekend like Thanksgiving. So hopefully that's a smart move. And um, I know I read this morning in the New York Times that apparently there's articles now saying maybe the, the variant has crescendoed and is maybe starting to come down. We shall see. So maybe we don't anticipate a lot of movie theater or a lot of studios rather moving all their stuff in mass. And this is just Paramount making some moves for them to put their films in the best, best position possible to make money. We shall see. Um, all right. So let's uh, take a quick break and we'll jump into our main topic here. DC Fandome 
and what we expect to see and what we hope we see uh, there from there. We'll be right back. Yeah, I started too high. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Also, the one you know, we have a lot of movies coming out, and none of them with him in it. So maybe, maybe a better choice. We, but cool. wow, when you see Whoa. the DC logo, you know they're going to use the Superman music. <laughs> <laughs> And they used Superman and Lois in the, yeah. So anyway, all right, let's get into it. DC Fandom was announced. It will be streaming online on October 16th. So uh, this is, and this is free to everybody. Be on the YouTube channel, be on Twitch. It'll be on a number of places. You can watch it for sure. There's also a DC Kids Fandom that is also going to be uh, coming out in the same weekend. So you can plop your kids in front of one screen, plop yourself in front of another screen and never leave the room and enjoy an incredible amount of content. There's supposedly going to be a first official trailer. I think, oh, sorry, there's going to be another trailer, a rumor trailer for Batman. They'll tease six of their DC films, uh, including Dwayne Johnson's The Black Adam film, The Flash film, which we've already seen uh, pictures of Michael Heaton on set for, DC League of Super Pets. We'll get a behind-the-scenes look at Aquaman Lost Kingdom and Shazam Fury of the Gods. Then WBTV will talk about Batwoman, The Flash, Superman, and Lois, and Sweet Tooth, which got officially greenlighted for a second season. They'll also pay tribute to Supergirl, which is uh, wrapping up its six-season run. DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which will reach 100 episodes. I can't believe that. Uh, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> then they're going to talk about Naomi and Star. get some more Stargirl stuff as well. They'll unveil, unveil a look at Peacemaker, which is that film that's uh, spinning off of uh, a show, spinning off of Suicide Squad. Uh, they'll also preview the limited series of DMZ as well as Titans and Doom Patrol. And apparently they're going, if you register, they're going to release 300 comics or graphic novels for free for you to be able to read leading up to DC fandom. So what do you guys think about all of this? There's animation, the DC comic books, all the stuff's going to be highlighted here. You're not going to be able to see everything, obviously, at the same time, but it's going to be a lot to consume. What do you gentlemen think about this uh, situation? You know, when we when DC fandom was on last year, um, mm. we were still very much in sort of a lockdown situation. Mm. And watching D, watching DC fandom during that one day, because they did end up splitting it. Like they uh, yes. they had yes. they had the films and video games on one day, and they had a lot of a lot of the CW stuff on another day. Um, that was one of my highlights of mm. of quarantine was because we were so starved for anything new. And we still had a very optimistic uh, point of view about when stuff was going to come out. Um, <laughs> but that was such a blast. I mean, I've, I, it, it has been a long time since I sat down, sat down in front of my computer. I literally ate crappy food all day. It was sort of like the, the mini Comic Con, that you know, <laughs> that I, my own mini personal Comic Con. And afterwards, you know, we did, we did a huge, like a very long, I, 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 two hours, three hours episode, um, chatting about everything DC the three of us and and uh, Mr. Mike Kalinowski. And afterwards, I went over to Kalinowski's and we we had beers out on his out on his porch. I mean, so it was that was such a great, great day. Now that everything is opened up a little bit more, like I'll be curious to see if um, if it will have the holding power that it did when you had literally nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. um, I'm certainly curious for that second trailer of uh, the Batman, you know, I know there were some TikTok reaction videos that came out that they had had a screening and everyone yes. kind of flipped out about it and talked about how great it was. Um, I'm very curious for the second or for the first look at uh, the Aquaman sequel. Like, even though I am a huge 
Aquaman fan. I was not the biggest fan of that first movie. I was I was happy that we got a movie. Um, but watching like Candyman and watching how good Yaya Abdul Mateen is, or watching Watchmen, watching him and that, and be like, oh man, he was really criminally underserved in that first Aquaman movie. <laughs> um, and I hope that they uh, that steps steps are taken to uh, show him off a little bit more in the role of Black Manta. And I'm really curious about the first look at the Flash. I mean, that is the movie that uh, at least us as fans seem to think that this is going to be sort of the DC Universe film reset. Um, but you know, we'll find out. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we're sort of extrapolating from all of the announcements that have come out. Um, but mostly I'm, I'm excited to do it again and hopefully to do a, a live episode like we did last year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Mike, about all this DC fandom, uh, announcements and stuff coming? Yeah, I think, look, I think Shannon's not the only one that's curious to see how DC fandom does in its second year. I think <laughs> Warner Brothers and DC are probably really interested as well. I mean, yeah. we talked about this a lot when Comic-Con was canceled. We talked about it when DC fandom came out. We also talked about it when that Disney Investor Day happened and they just announced every fucking thing in the world. Um, that the excitement that was generated during a pandemic during DC fandom, because I did the same thing Shannon did. I probably didn't eat as unhealthy as he did but i did sit in front of my computer uh (laughs) you said it you said it buddy um i I have this picture of you with like a whiskey and taco bell on your chest what's your point um, what's your point (laughs) shannon's like that was correct um no i i think that to shannon's point you know it was really great to have that moment during a pandemic where we all kind of felt like we were all excited about the same thing at the same time and it was the closest that we could get to that feeling that we've all had at Comic-Con when you're like sitting in Hall H and someone sees something. So I guess what everybody's gonna try and see now is as we are more open than we were then, as we are kind of largely out of the pandemic compared to where we were a year ago, uh, will that same level of excitement happen? Will everybody still be sitting by their computer kind of waiting to see these announcements and tweeting about it and texting yeah. each other? I think people probably will. I mean, if you look at like the reaction to the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer last week, like we all do get very excited when we can go watch something on our computers and we all post about it almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So the fact that DC is going to have this day where they're going to do all this stuff, I imagine we will all do it. Um, but I think if it is as if it is as successful or even close to as successful, it's going to be a big sign of the way that the studios are going to do things uh, moving forward, and it may be a sign of things shifting in the way that we experience the live events, like a Comic Con. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting. I think there's a lot of uh, uh, industry in. Uh, uh, curiosity as to how mm-hmm. fans are going to react to this. Personally, and kind of to Shannon's point, I mean, obviously I'm excited about a new look at the Batman because we've all been so excited about it for so long. Yeah. Um, and really excited about The Flash just because I do think that this is DC's opportunity um, to skip a few spaces on the game board and get a little bit closer to Marvel um, <laughs> if, they, if they do it right. So I'm really, really curious to see how they handle all that. Um, I'm really excited about the Superman and Lois stuff because I think that show is just fantastic. Uh, I think it's a big step up uh, from where the CW shows have been. Um, And I think that it's where I would like to see the CW DC shows keep going as far as that level of production value and kind of quality of show. Um, And then on the animation front, I'm really excited about everyone's first look at uh, Young Justice Phantoms, the fourth season of Young Justice, because um, it's going to be pretty awesome. Are you writing on that? Can you say? I 
will tell you at another time. Wow! No, wow. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that I can say, but I can say that uh, if I did know anything about Young Justice Phantoms, uh, I would say that it will probably be really good. That's an NDA I saw floating by. Yeah. All right. Uh, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Um, <laughs> yeah. You'll have three Wonder Woman comic books as well. The DC Black Label miniseries, Wonder Woman Astoria, Nubia and the Amazons and Wonderful Women of the World will be part of this thing. You get the Batman Fortnite comic crossover. They're going to tease that. Batman Fear State, which is the new six issue Black Manta series. And the return. Oh, sorry. They're going to get that uh, and the return of the Milestone universe that's also going to be a part of it also season three of harley quinn what are we going to get from that yep. uh that's going to be uh, i'm going to be very curious to see it also they'll be showing off two films injustice and catwoman hunted wow um and then on the gaming front gotham knights uh suicide squad kill the justice league which i think that is in black widow territory i've been waiting we've seen so much i mean they had a trailer for that last year yeah i was gonna say that the trailers for the games the trailers for the games look suspiciously like the trailers for the games at the last dc fandom (laughs) it's curious but but if we move past the fact that this is all happening and i and i'm certainly going to be parked in front of my computer because last year i think i was out of town and then we came back and did the live show um, I w- I'm very curious to see how they're going to release things, how they're going to uh, put things out. And of course, the, the, the trailer reactions but put, put up. So we'll see. it'll be a challenging weekend for sure. But I think also, is this a bit of a test case for them? Michael, you mentioned this earlier, how DC and WB are going to see how this does. Is this now even more furthering the theory or the feeling that the idea of Comic-Con is coming to an end. You know, we've seen so many of these little Comic-Cons start to become bigger Comic-Cons. New York Comic-Con has eclipsed San Diego Comic-Con in terms of attendance. So do we see that maybe more studios are going to possibly go this route, get this kind of social media interaction, get this kind of buzz on social media generate for the content? Is this now the blueprint going forward? We've seen the Investor's Day. We've seen these other things. Is this now where they're going to go and less and less? Or is Comic-Con going to start to become what it was at the beginning, which is a source for comic books, a source for these kinds of smaller things for people to go now relax and enjoy conversations with these creators? Maybe I'm being optimistic, okay. uh, as, as I am prone to be, but... I don't think it's ever going to fully replace it the same way that I don't think watching movies at home on streaming is going to fully replace the movie theater experience. Mm -hmm. I think that human beings have a desire to congregate in person. And I think that, sure, going to Comic-Con and seeing your favorite celebrities on a panel is a huge part of Comic-Con for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But I think a bigger part of Comic-Con is kind of coming together with a bunch of like-minded nerds where you're hanging out in hotel bars for four nights talking about who would win in a fight, Superman or Batman. I mean, I think that there's there's certain things that happen when you're at Comic-Con that you can't emulate at home. Uh, And so, and and just the same way, to Shannon's point about going to see Candyman, like there is a difference seeing a scary movie in a in a dark movie theater and watching a scary movie on your couch even if all the lights are turned off so i think that uh although these things are going to shift details of how comic-con works i think mm-hmm. um you know dc disney everybody know that if they just do a giant online thing one day and announce it which mm-hmm. is way less expensive for them to do um they're gonna get 
as much of an impact as they get driving down to San Diego. So we will probably lose some things. Maybe we won't get the number of celebrities. Maybe there won't be as many panels. But I think that that will be replaced with the fact that Disney and Warner Brothers and Universal and everybody will realize that there's other things that they can do uh, for that giant group of people that are going to either New York or San Diego as the two prime locations um, that are still going to be just as impactful, get people just as excited. And so I think that it might shift the way those things are run and produced and what some of the panels we may get will be. But I don't think it's ever going to fully, I don't think that Comic-Con is ever going to go back to what it originally was. And I don't think it's it's just going to go away. I don't think we're all just going to end up sitting in our homes on our computers for everything. I think there's still a live component to that 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 people are still going to crave. Okay. Shannon? Yeah, I mean, I I agree with Vogel. Um, Even if, like, next Comic-Con, they pulled all the movies, Mm -hmm. if they pulled all the TV, um, I think you're still going to have artists, you're still going to have creators that want to go and meet with the fans and congregate with the fans. And, you know, I think the the universal language of comics now is so widespread around pop culture that it would be nice to see the cast of these movies. It would be nice to see the writers of these television shows, but if we can't, at the end of the day, the thing that is the most, um, uh, has the most lasting effect from Mm Comic-Con is being around other, being around like-minded individuals. Like being at at those hotel bars, watching how downtown San Diego, you know, if we lose a couple blocks of the Gaslamp District, that's okay. You know, if, if there are less places to go, you're still going to be hopefully with the same people. And that's, that's the biggest takeaway that I always take from Comic-Con. Like I love, I love going to the panels. I love seeing those mm. announcements. I mean, you know, you know, Johnny and I, we, we did Hall H together for years. Yep. Um, but if we didn't have anywhere to go afterwards to talk about it with other folks to share in those yeah. experiences, it, it probably wouldn't mean as much. Also, walking the floor, right? You can't mm-hmm. replace that experience. Walking the floor, discovering new artists, buying those T-shirts, talking to like-minded people about this stuff, going to those independent sellers of comic books, which I love to do on the last day of Comic-Con on Sundays, and just stack my bags with with great comics at really cheap prices from great artists, great creators. And you, you miss that whole experience of like finding like-minded people who are into the stuff that you're into. So yeah, that's an interesting I, point. Mike? I also think, well, I also think it opens the possibility uh, of the panels being kind of a little bit different, but more, but potentially more interesting. If like, mm. what, if you took away from the panels, the idea that you're going to drop the newest trailer, and by the way, they probably still will. Like you'll drop yeah, a trailer yeah. at DC Fandom and then you'll have an exclusive look at Comic-Con, you know, and you can still, there's plenty of footage to show and people to get excited. But, you know, does that mean that what they'll do instead of dropping trailers and doing all that stuff because they do that for their online events, yeah. that Comic-Con is like Marvel has, you know, Nia DaCosta, Taika Waititi, Chloe Zhao, and uh, a handful of other directors come and do like a whole panel on directing Marvel movies with Kevin Feige moderate. You know, like there's ways that you can still interact with your audience who's paying a lot of money to go to comic-con and give them something that only they get at that location Mm. and maybe that'll lead to comic-con doing some more stuff like that which i think would be super super cool yeah that's a great point uh all right any uh, final words on this uh what we want to see from the batman trailer i mean well the i mean as shannon mentioned we should give our thoughts real quick and supposedly there was a screening of it three hours long 
very much leaning into the horror element. A lot of people coming out with praise for Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. By the way, it's really hard to mess up Catwoman. I think Halle Berry is the only one that really kind of gets any kind of, you know, kind of guff. But you could argue the whole film was crap. It wasn't her, you know. So, But everyone else seems to get love. Anne Hathaway's Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer's. Go all the way back to Lee Merriweather, Eartha Kitt, and uh, and um, Julie Newmar. They all get love for playing the character. So nice to see Zoe Kravitz getting some love. Paul Dano apparently is insane. Apparently there's a crazy twist at the end of the film. And, uh, and uh, uh, Pattinson's getting a lot of love as well. So what do you guys think about hearing that noise or hearing that news? And uh, if what kind of trailer we might be getting at DC Fandom in a little bit over a month? Well, I mean, after seeing that first trailer that premiered at last uh, at last Fandom, yeah. Yeah. Um, where they had they had only been shooting for a very short amount of time, and the footage that we got was incredibly impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it looked like they'd been shooting quite a bit longer. Knowing now that they are done, that they will have had time to do some of those um, post production effects and whatnot. Um, I'm super excited. I mean, we got one really kind of okay look at at paul dano but that's that's the thing that a lot of people have talked about is like this dude is he's insane i mean and for most folks their exposure to the riddler is jim carrey um and that's not to take anything away from his performance i mean it was what it was for that movie but there is another side to this character that is that sounds like uh, paul dano really explored successfully based off of these reaction videos i mean the the Batmobile was something that was uh, that was singled out in a lot of uh, in a lot of those videos, and you know, again, most movie going the movie going public, they think of the Tumblr, they think the right. the Nolan movies. I mean, uh, folks of our age, we think of the the Burton movies. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a completely different. This is a completely different. This is literally taking a muscle car and throwing a jet engine on the back. <laughs> so, I mean, getting getting a better look at all of these and because it had such a tumultuous production shoot because of COVID. Um, I, I'm just excited that it's that it's done, that we're going to see it. I mean, we had read a whole bunch of rumors, which could be bullshit, uh, that uh, Matt Reason and, and Pattinson didn't get along and that Pattinson right. <laughs> during the during the lockdown gained a little bit of weight. It wasn't exactly in Bruce Wayne shape. Um, I, I hope that this trailer will put those rumors to rest. Uh, Mike, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm super excited. I was just talking to somebody the other day where they were like, why are you excited about another Batman movie? And, (laughs) you know, there's just, there's something in our collective consciousness. Uh, Batman works for us as far as like our modern, our modern day mythology. Something about the Batman mythology is, uh, it's evergreen to us. We Mm -hmm. always want to see these stories told. We want to see them told in a slightly different way, but we still want it to reinforce a lot of the ideas that go behind Batman. And... I trust Matt Reeves uh, and everything we've heard and everything we've talked about with this movie. Uh, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of the Nolan version of let's tell a grounded Batman story, but it's a little bit of let's really lean into the detective side of things because that's something we haven't explored about Batman as much in the movies. Yeah. And then it looks really dark as fuck and <gasps> super creepy, which, you know, I think is also good. You know, like the, the, the Burton movies, which I love, uh, you know, are in our modern day superhero lens, a little cheesy. Uh, the, the Schumacher movies are the Schumacher movies. And, you know, Nolan was telling a very specific kind of story and it looks like Reeves is doing something that's in a very different venue. So mm-hmm. even though it's yet another Batman movie, it seems like we're going to get some new shades to it that I'm really excited about. Yep, It's like Bond. It changes for the taste of the public. Now we're more open 
to getting darker stuff. We've seen some of the darkerness of our of human beings, the darkness rather of human beings. We've seen over the last you know four to six years how crazy people can actually get. So we need a grittier, darker, more violent, possibly horror filled Batman that gets us back into this world. And if you're going to do it differently, or if you're going to do it again, you got to do it differently in a way that kind of connects with a large majority of the movie going public. And it sounds like it will be one of those films. So, uh, all right, well, that's this episode of the geek buddies. Thank you all so much for joining us here uh, for this episode. Uh, Shannon, what do we got to tell them? Yeah. If you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon, the geek buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says Mikey. Um, if you want to see a crappy matinee, you can hang out with Shannon. If you want to see a big budget movie musical, you can hang out with me. Uh, but no matter what you like, you can hang out with all three of us and we love doing what we're doing. Uh, and here is how you can help us out. Uh, hit the like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, leave us some comments below. What did you think of this? What, what trailers are you excited about? What do you want to see at DC Fandom? Uh, are you a fan of the Rocketeer? Uh, let us know what you think about the things that happened in this episode. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about in future episodes. Uh, if you are listening to us on, uh, Spotify or Apple podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are available go ahead and leave us some stars leave us some comments it helps us go up in the rankings and as always the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it on your socials let everybody know that this is a fun place to hang with some geeky guys and talk about some geeky business <laughs> yeah i want to reiterate michael said i mean we've got so much dropping geek buddies content here on the channel please subscribe to that content subscribe to, uh, hit that button and hit the bell button as well the bell button lets you know when New content is dropping from the Outlaw Nation channel or the Geek Buddies, and we're doing more reviews. We're doing, we got some interviews lined up. We're doing more of the coverage here that you guys enjoy from the Geek Buddies. So if you're watching us but you're not subscribing to the channel, we need you to subscribe to the channel as well so we can get this thing over 20,000 subscribers. Once it becomes 20,000 subscribers, it's more cachet to get some of the creators that you love and enjoy to come and be guests with us and be interviewed by us. And we want to make that happen. So help us do that. All right, that's it from all of us. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here from the Geek Bodies. Hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.